Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Amen. We're beginning a one-time session today we're very excited about called You Name It. And I do want you to understand the choices that you make today will determine what they say about you at your funeral tomorrow. The choices that you make will make all the difference in the world. Let me give you an example. I'm going to give you an example of somebody here. See if you recognize who I'm talking about. Very jovial, very supportive, very much likes to laugh. Uh, absolutely in great health for an 87-year-old woman. Best mother ever. This is my mom on the fourth row. Listen, she's believing God for the rapture. She's going to go into rapture. But if she happens to go on to be with the Lord, I don't want to just say good things about her at her funeral because she won't be able to hear them. She won't be there, just her body. You do realize the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, when you go on to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The thing in the cast is just the clothing. It's not the real you. So I want to give out, think about it. We call it a eulogy, don't we? That's when we say something good about somebody dead. You, you, you ever read in the New Testament? Many times it says the word bless the Lord. That is the Greek word eulogia. We get our word eulogy from it. It literally just simply means good words. How can we give good words? How can we bless God? Listen to me very closely. We say good words to the living. I don't want you to just hear good words about you when you're dead because you won't hear them. I wanted my mother to hear that today. She is one of the most wonderful people that I know. She is so loving. She loves to laugh. She loves Jesus. She loves you. She prays for you. She's so supportive. I mean, I could come up here and fall on my face, and she would say, Honey, that was the best fall I've ever seen somebody do in a long, long time. I wanted you to know, watch this, because of my mother's choices... It is literally determining what will be said about her when she goes on to be with the Lord. And listen to me very closely. I don't want to leave it up to you, turkeys. I want to live a life in such a way that you say the right thing about me at my funeral because of how I live my life. And you should have that same heart, too. Let me give you the verse to prove it. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1. 
Love this verse, very powerful. People mistake this verse and what it means all the time. Notice what it says. Proverbs 22 and verse 1, a good name, everybody say a good name, is to be chosen. Say it with me, say chosen. Now, a lot of times we take that and we think, okay, well, I just got to think of a good name to name my, name my baby. And it's important what you name your baby. I will say, if you're in the house right now and you're pregnant and you're pregnant with a woman, think about Jimelina. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm fine with Jamela. Trust me, if you name your child, your girl, Jimelina or Jamela, she'll grow up tough. So it isn't about the name that you pick, Ashley, Madison. And we, you know, thank God for all those. I'm looking at an Ashley right there. Thank God for Ashley. If your name is Madison, thank God for you. I got people that are named that are excited about that. Listen to me. That's great to have a good name, but that's not what Solomon is talking about. He's not talking about your actual name. He's talking about, watch this now, a good name, your reputation is to be chosen. You get to choose your own reputation. And so do I. How many want to be known as a walking vodka bottle? That, you, you should respond no to that. You weren't sure how to respond. That's not a good... Oh, man, that guy is the best shoplifter ever. How many, how many don't want to be known as that? You choose, I choose, my reputation, my good name, rather than great riches, loving favor, rather than silver or gold. Listen to me. Your reputation, your character is so much more important than anything else that you could have in life. So much more important than how much money you make car that you drive, the house that you live in, the position that you have. My name, your name is so important. How many know when you hear the name Billy Graham, right away you think of man of God, you think of man of character, you think of an evangelist, someone that represents Christ really, really well. A man of God that literally served the body of Christ for 60 plus years with no scandal whatsoever. I'm on my 40th year with no scandal, but listen to me very closely. I still got a ways to go. Pray for me. Because I want to live my life in such a way. I want to choose my life in such a way that it will determine what you say about me at my funeral. And everybody in the house ought to have that same heart. Last weekend, as you know, was Pastor Appreciation Weekend. This weekend, I want to appreciate some of our associate pastors. Because you'd be surprised what people think about them when their names come up. Check it out. Awesome children's pastor, and I know these kids look up to you, but not just the kids, also the leadership. 
you are consistent, you are constant in what you're doing, you are always giving back, not just to the children, but also to your leaders, and just super pumping us up before every service, and I just love it. And I'm so thankful that you are part of this team and in doing such an amazing work as you're reaching these generations that are to come. When I think about Pastor Ryan, I think of someone who is a, a mentor to not only the team, but the kids and kids ministry. I think as someone who um, lives for God and loves serving children and uh, is just a joy and a pleasure to serve with and be around. Hey dad, I love you and appreciate you so much. Words I would use to describe you are funny, integrity, thoughtful, and kind. Love you dad. When I think of Pastor Eric, I think of just generosity. He, uh, he shares his time with everyone at this church so well, and, it, and he, he does it so gracefully, he does it with joy, and it's really, it's awe-inspiring to see him be able to do that. He wears a lot of hats, and he wears them all very, very well, and we just really, really appreciate all that he does for us. When I think of Pastor Eric, I think of humorous, creative, passionate, and present. Dad, thank you so much for everything that you do, seen and unseen, and I thank you so much for just the time that you put into everything. You always make sure that everybody stays connected and you love making people laugh. And I'm just so grateful for all that you do. And some of the things that come to mind when I think of you is that you're funny, sweet, kind, and very creative, and you just love helping people. So thank you for everything that you've ever done. I love you, Dad. <laughs> When I think of Pastor James, I think of a man who is very intentional. He is very thoughtful. He cares about what he does and in investing in us young leaders in the church. A great father and a great man of God just to look up to. Pastor James, what can I say, my friend? You are such an awesome leader. I enjoy serving with you in the pantry. You are an amazing person. You have a servant's heart, you are joyful, you are an encourager, you are just absolutely amazing, and I love you. Generous, intentional, servant's heart. When I think about my dad, I think about how he's just an amazing dad and a great pastor. If I think about some words to describe my dad, I'd say he's very, he's a very hard worker, he's very generous, he's very kind, and he's just a wonderful father. I love you, Dad. Hey, Pastor Rob, I love you so much. Thank you for being so faithful and genuine for the youth. I love and appreciate you. Hey, Pastor Rob, I just want to let you know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. Um, I'm so honored to get to serve with you uh, every week as we, you know, influence our youth and um, invest in their lives. Under your mentorship, I've been able to learn so much and I continue to be inspired by um, your, your humility, your wisdom, and your, your overall love and how you pour into each and every one of us. So I just wanna say thank you for everything you do. I'm so honored to get to serve with you. I love you and I'm looking forward to continue serving alongside you as we continue to make a big difference for Jesus. Dad, I just wanted to say that I love you and that I'm so grateful that you are my youth pastor. A few words I would use to describe you are funny, loving, kind, intelligent, thoughtful, and caring. I love you, Dad. 
You do things behind the scene that no one knows, but we, we feel and we see the fruit of it. The fruit of our church growing, the fruit of the salvations, the many salvations that are coming to the Lord. You live a victorious life. Not that things are not challenging. There are challenges, but it's the way you go through the challenge. You are excellent. And all that you do, you are very encouraging, Pastor Dave, and you are a wonderful example. And we love you, we appreciate you, and we look so forward to continuing to making a difference together with joy. We love you, sir. It's been many years ago, we were parked up on the hill walking to our vehicles, me and you were talking, and then you looked down, saw a flower, picked it and then gave it to your daughter Lauren and as a as a father of daughters that that's a, that uh, spoke a lot to me uh, really encouraged me to be a better better dad uh, you're always encouraging to me always lifting me up uh, the one word I can think of for you is just steady you're, you're so steady in your leadership uh, you don't waver uh, you're funny. A lot of people may not realize that, but Pastor Dave, you do. You are funny, and I love you. When I think of you, I think of faithfulness. You have time and time again, all throughout my life, just invested in not only this whole church, but into your family in such a wonderful way. So I know that you put first things first, which is following God, and then taking care of your family, and taking care of this church family. I could not thank you enough for the investment that you've made into me all these years. I love you, Dad. Miss Ann, I just want to say in all the years that I have been serving on Sounds of Joy, it's been such a privilege and an honor to serve with you, to learn from you, and I am just honored to do that. You are so genuine, so loving, so giving. You are a difference maker, and you are excellent in what you do, and I love you fiercely. Miss Ann, when I think of you, I think of dedication. I think of how merciful and sweet and joyful you are. I so love your bubbly and sweet personality, and you are just such a light in our church, and I so love you. Hey, Mom, I just want to hop on here real quick and tell you how much I love you and appreciate you. Um, you're a great mother, and I think you do such a great job at all the things you do. You work really hard at everything here at church. You put in a ton of hours that people don't see you also do a lot at home. You do a lot at home for me and dad. You cook for us so well. You take a lot of time to do that. And you've done that my whole life. You've also done a great job at very much supporting me, caring for me, and loving me so well. And I really appreciate that because you've been a great mother in my life. I love you, mom. Come on, give all of them a big encouragement. Would you do that? I'm so proud of all of them. That's one of the keys to my success is when you're not the brightest crayon in the box other than the pink, you got to make sure you surround yourself with wonderful people. Can you encourage them one more time? Come on. Now, why were all those things said about all those wonderful people? Because of how they live their life. Because of the choices that they've made to this juncture in their life. How many are very, very glad that Pastor Dave didn't give that little flower to Charles? <laughs> I am too. It's how we live our life, the choices that we make. So I'm going to challenge everybody in the house. You can actually name it. You can actually 
right now determine what people are going to say about you at your funeral by how you live your life today. I'm going to give you five choice channels, some choices that you can make today that mostly revolve around our character here at Joy Church. We have a big personality, but we really relish and prioritize character. How I many know a man or woman's gift is always more less important than their character? How I many know we ought to be developing our character a whole lot more than our gift? If no one knows that, me and Cade know that. We know that. We know that's true. Let me give you choice number one as we're determining what people say about us at our funeral. Number one, initially, you choose your choices eventually. Your character chooses your choices. Initially, we choose our choices. And those choices then begin to fold into who we are. And then out of who we are, we begin to choose. And it becomes this cycle that is either very destructive or very constructive. Let me show you what Jesus had to say about it from Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 35. I love what he had to say. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. How many understand, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I are known by our fruit? Would you please do your pastor a favor? Would you look to your neighbor on the right and say, you look a little fruity today. Come on, just tell him. We're known by our fruit. Oh, generation of vipers. How many glad we're not going to stop right there? How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is teaching us a very important principle. Whatever is in our heart in abundance comes out under pressure. Look at your pastor. You really don't know what's in there until you get into an emergency situation or stressful situation. And then what comes out under that pressure is in there in abundance. If you get in real pressure and you say something out of your mouth that you would not hold in your hand, that just shows you what's in there in abundance. Now, I don't say that to condemn you, but I say that Jesus taught us that's one way that we can understand what's in here in abundance. May I challenge everybody in the house? Put the Word of God in you when you don't need it so it comes out when you do. And here's what we're after. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. In other words, whatever is in your treasure chest in abundance will be the driving force behind your regular decisions. So if you don't like, look, look at your pastor, you are not locked into some fate. You are not a loser. You are a chooser. And if you don't like your lot in life to this juncture, may I suggest to everybody in the house that you fill your treasure chest with the word of the living God. And may I challenge you that out of that abundance, you'll begin to bring forth good things. You begin to make good decisions. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life that you and your children may live. How many know that our decisions not only affect us, but our kids? 
Now, listen, I'm not telling you that you can always determine the facts and the folks that come into your life, but I am telling you that you can always determine the choices and the attitude that we have towards the facts and the folks that come into our life. It is so imperative that we understand initially the choices that I make determine my character. And then out of that same character, I begin to make good choices or bad choices. How many can think back in your life about a very pivotal point, a monumental moment, a powerful point in your life that really helped begin to settle or to grow or to determine your character? I can. I can remember uh, something very important in my life. When I was a single man before I met uh, Miss Ann, I, I remember very, very clearly this. I was working in the ministry at a very low level. I was making $5 an hour at a local church as a young man. And I remember I would take the kids. We, I drove a bus. I would take the kids of the church all over the place for summer day camp. And we would go to various places. One day in this big giant bus, I took them to a swimming pool. And I remember parking the bus, and it had one of those things where you do it, pull a lever, and it opens the door. And when I did so, this is a big, giant, really heavy old bus, 1972 bus. And I opened the door, and I whacked the car with the door just a little bit, but I whacked it enough to put a scratch in it. Now, this car was a hoopty. How many know what a hoopty is? Come on, don't look at me so holy. You know what a hoopty is? A hoopty, this is a junker. This is a meh, 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 meh. This is, this, is a, this is a junker of a car. And this car was a hoopty. It had dings in it, dents in it, scratches in it all over the place. But I measured the door with the scratch that I put on there, and I knew that while that car had many scratches and many dents, I did that one. I was with another person. And that other person said, are you kidding? Look at that car. It's a junker. Just let's get out of here. Let's go. I said, I can't do that. Had to go up to the pool. I had to go all the way to the front desk. I had to have them talk to over the microphone and, say, and give them the license plate of the car. And you know, here comes a guy and he's wondering what in the world happened. And so I said, sir, I got to show you what I did. And so I brought him out to his car. I said, I put, it was about this three inches. But I put that little scratch in, in your car. And he just looked at me and laughed. He said, don't worry about it. Look at all these other dents. I said, okay, sir. I appreciate that, but I made that one, so I had to do that with integrity. Now, listen to me. That was a difficult decision to make. But when I made that decision, it folded into who I am. And now it began to create my character. And to this day, those kind of things, I still do right with those kind of things today. The moment that you begin to compromise, it folds into your character in the wrong way. And it begins to compound either good or evil. What do you say, ladies and gentlemen? Let's put good stuff in the treasure chest so that we can choose the right name. Our second choice channel that's so important is learn to make right decisions in the midst of wrong circumstances. This is one of the biggest things that you can learn as a believer. I watch a lot of people, they compound their life. They get grape juice on the bottom of their shoe. They step on white carpet. And for whatever reason, they can't seem to stop themselves. 
Once they make that bad decision, they keep going. And they realize, look, I know I've got grape juice on the bottom of my shoes. And every time I take one more step, I'm really messing up this carpet all that much more. Look at your pastor. If you have grape juice on your shoes and you're walking on white carpet, stop. It's not brain surgery. It's just stop. It's learning to make right decisions in the midst of wrong circumstances. I watch things begin to go a little bit wrong for people, and then they begin to feel sorry for themselves, and they compound bad decisions with more bad decisions, only compounding the mess in their life. Boy, it got awful quiet in this monastery. I'll never forget one of the toughest decisions I ever had to make. There was a couple here. I won't go into all the details, but just suffice it to say, uh, they were very unkind to my wife and myself. They got online and, listen, and, and they, they lied about us and excoriated us online. Listen, if you've never been excoriated online, you're not doing anything for the Lord. Tr trust me, if you're not the target of someone's YouTube channel, you're not making a difference. And so they left the church, and they were very unkind. And, but their daughter and their future son-in-law was still here. And they were getting married, and they invited us as the pastors to come to their wedding. It was a very difficult decision, and I knew that the people there that were so mean that were lying about us were obviously the mother and father of the groom. I'm going to tell you this, one of the toughest decisions that I ever had to make in my life to go to that wedding because I, just, I owed that young couple. They wanted me to be there, but I knew the challenging situation we would face. This would have been the easiest thing in the world in our life not to do something like that that was difficult. But I learned a long time ago in the midst of wrong circumstances, make right decisions. Those kind of things compound in your life and then your character becomes rock strong. And it doesn't matter what the devil brings your way, you'll begin to make right decisions. Is helping anybody in the house. Third thing we need to do, if we're going to choose the right name, what people are going to say about us at our funeral, this is huge, right? This is what we're coming for right here. Never let your disappointment justify your disobedience. Now, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, you know how it is. We, we, we we're disappointed about something. We're mad at God about something. Something didn't happen like we wanted it to happen. And so now we're using that disappointment as an opportunity to justify disobedience. Oh, so, uh, someone breaks up with us. Some of you young adults listen to me, listen to your pastor. Someone breaks up with us. And so, okay, well, I thought we were going to get married. And so now you're using that disappointment to justify your nine gallons of ice cream. Oh, it got ugly in the house right there. I was talking, some of y'all look lactose intolerant just with that example. How many understand what I'm saying? Never let our disappointment justify our disobedience. Folks, listen to me. Your God is not the problem. He's the answer. And I watch a lot of people, they get angry at God. Well, God, you do Listen, listen, listen. You have a good God. You have a bad devil. You have a cursed world, and you have lots of stupid people. And we got to stop blaming God for what someone else did, or we ourselves caused. 
We're professionals at that. We, we do so well when we justify ourselves. What, what are you talking about, Pastor? We do this so well. Oh, it started in the Garden of Eden. It's this woman that you gave me. Come on, somebody encourage Miss Ann down here in the front row. I couldn't have done any better in my life. I'm telling you right now, she is a gem. She is a gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth thing that you need to understand, check it out. Your integrity should never be determined by another. Your integrity should never, ever say never, should never be determined by another. Let's look at the verse. I could quote it to you, one of my favorite. Mimi, Amy, want to see this verse. Look at Psalms 26 and verse 11. But as for me, say that out loud with me. Say, as for me. Come on, say it like you mean it, but as for me. I love that phrase because that phrase tells me something. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what the culture does. Doesn't matter what's on Instagram. But as for me, I will walk. Not just talk. I will walk in my integrity. As for me, doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what the culture does. Doesn't matter what, well, everybody's doing it. I hear that all the time. Yeah, but everybody's doing it. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. What's integrity, Pastor? Integrity is doing the right thing when nobody sees. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. So important that we understand. I'll never forget this particular example that happened in my life. Way back when at the same church when I was single. I was in charge not only of the bus, but a, a small van as well that we would transport children around. And I'm not mechanically inclined. Those of you in the house that are mechanically inclined, I have so much respect for you because I can't do what you do. I can fix people through the Word and Spirit of God, but I can't fix my car. So I receive, you can fix things. God bless you. I need you. Please don't stay close to me. I, I, I just can't fix it. So we had this van, and, and I was supposed to, you know, keep up with the oil and make sure that there was plenty. It was an old van, and, and we were driving it, and I didn't, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't check up on it. I did some, but I didn't do it as regularly as I should because, again, in that avenue, I just was not steady. I just didn't know what I was doing. And so we were driving somewhere. All of a sudden, smoke comes out of the trunk. You know, here we go, or out of the, you see, I don't even know where it is, out of, out of the front of the car. <laughs> where the engine is, <laughs> by the tires. And so we're, I drive it in a, a church and all this. And, and so the associate pastor, the same what Pastor Dave is to this church, this guy was to that church. He was really the executive pastor, the number two in command. And we had a senior pastor that was a strong man of God and didn't take very kindly to those types of things. And so the executive pastor came to me. He said, Jim, did you check the oil? I said, no, i got to be honest with you. I didn't check the oil. He goes, here's what I want you to do. He's trying to be nice to me. He said, go check the oil now so that you can tell the pastor you checked the oil. <laughs> how many know this is not a good executive pastor? How many, how many thank God for Pastor Dave and all of his flowers? 
And this is very difficult for me because that would have been the easiest thing for me to do. Now, the number two in command told me this is a great thing to do. I would have got out of all trouble, and my pastor was not, didn't take these things well. I knew I was going to get chewed out. And so I, just, I said to the second in command, I said, I can't do that. That's not integrity. Now, the second in command was mad at me, <laughs> for, for real. And I still had to go to the pastor and said I blew it. But listen to me very closely. I am so thankful to God that I did that because as for me, I will walk in my integrity. At my funeral, nobody's going to say, man, could he fix cars? But they will say the dude walked in integrity, helping anybody. Fifth thing that you need to know is we're choosing a good name at our own funeral. Life is not about what you accumulate. Life is about what we give away. If you notice that video where all of those staff pastors, I want you to think about it. A whole lot of what people were saying was, thank you for, and it was something that they contributed into that life. How many of you, ladies and gentlemen, life is not about what we accumulate. That's what we think it is in America, you know, the big house. No, no, no. It's about what we give away. There's coming a time when all you'll have left is what you've given to God. Don't you, remember, don't you remember the guy, the rich guy in Luke chapter 12, 15 through 21? We don't have time to look at it. But if you get a chance, check it out later. I'll just kind of give you the gist. Remember what Jesus said? He gave a parable. This is a Greek word, parabole, and it means uh, he comes alongside and throws a story down to illustrate a spiritual principle. And here is a spiritual principle in Luke 12 and verse 15. He said, watch this now. He said, beware of covetousness. Now, covetousness is a pretty fancy Bible word. Covetous in the Greek language simply, I could put it this way, is a desire gone haywire. In other words, it's a legitimate desire, but now that desire is too much in your life. How many, how, how many know if you're a single person, it's not wrong to desire a spouse unless that's a desire gone haywire? Why? Because if you need somebody bad, you'll find somebody bad. And I'm giving you more wisdom than you can handle tonight. Covetousness simply is an inordinate desire for something. It's not wrong to desire something biblical. But if you have an inordinate desire for something, here's an inordinate desire, I can't be happy until. If you're saying that you have an inordinate desire, I can't be happy until I get married. I can't be happy until I have this job. I can't be happy until I graduate. I can't be happy until I clear my throat. Now I'm happy. Come on, I've done this before. So, so you, you understand what I'm saying. He said, beware of covetousness. Watch this now. Now here's what Jesus said. He said, life does not consist, watch this, of the abundance of things. And then he threw down a parable, parabole. He said there was a rich man. He had a great barn. And he did really well. And he got more. He said, what am I going to do? I, I've got this barn. It's all filled. He goes, I know. I'll tear down this barn, and I'll build a bigger barn. That's exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And I'm going to fill it up, and then I'm going to just, it's going to be stuffed with stuff. And here's what the Lord said. He said, thou fool. 
you're building a bigger barn, but you don't understand that tonight your life is required of you. And then when you go into eternity, whose will all of this stuff be? He says, so is the person that is rich here on this earth, but is not rich towards God. God's not against you having stuff, but he's against that stuff having you. And life is not about what we can accumulate. Life has always been about what we're giving away. You say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, may you live a life, may I live a life that everywhere we go, we add value to other people. That every single sinner that comes into our life is an opportunity for salvation. Every single saint is an opportunity for edification. Every single seed is an opportunity for multiplication. Every single supernatural gift is an opportunity for glorification. You, you, have, you say, well, Pastor, you're just talking about money. No, no, I'm talking about you giving your life away to other people so that when people are at our funeral, they say, man, just like my mom, my mom is a giver. She gives her love. She gives her support. She gives her smiles. She gives her time. The woman is a widow, so she doesn't have a ton of money, but she gives her life away all the time. Somebody encourage her. Are you getting this now? This is so important. We're working with a pastor right now. I've been doing this so long. A lot of pastors look to me to encourage them and to mentor them. We're looking to a young pastor right now, helping him out. Uh, he was on a bike ride with his uh, 14, 15-year-old daughter. Motorcycle just smashed into the daughter. In, in the natural, she honestly should have been killed. But she's a walking miracle. And we've been working with this pastor day in and day out, blessing him with financial help and encouragement and prayers. I'm in contact with him all the time. How's she doing? What can we pray? And all as we're walking her and we're walking him through this whole situation, he's overwhelmed by the love that is coming his way in a very difficult time. How many understand Proverbs 17, 17, that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. This is what you and I were born to do, to step up when everybody else, a true friend, when everybody else is running out, a true friend will run in. And that's what people will remember about you. Were you there for them? Did you add value to them? Did you help them? Did you love them? Did you give to them? Did you pray for them? Life is not about what we accumulate. Life is about what we give away. Very simple lesson. But if you'll follow these five choice channels, they'll begin to form your reputation. And then when you go on to be with the Lord, you can determine what's said about you even though you'll never hear it. You lived a life. You planted trees that other people will sit under. But you lived a life in such a way that you had a good name. 